I keep thinking about things like the way that they framed the tribulation in the Mark IV movies and how the people who are on the side of quote-unquote the Antichrist use these subversive tactics to grant people clemency and to help them avoid the guillotine. Isn't this the type of thing that they warned us the other side would be doing to us? Mm. And yet here they are asserting all of the same things, denying people their freedom and also allowing the system to be rigged against someone who is not a believer. The notion that you need some kind of a figurehead to act as a deterrent to violent crime in schools is ridiculous. That's when things like this start heating up. That's when it becomes more likely. You are making it more likely for your school to get shot up by not providing competent, secular mental health services. Welcome to Unbound, a podcast for new atheists and lifetime atheists, ex-evangelicals, truth seekers, and free thinkers. There is life after faith. And life here is good. It's time for a new perspective and a better conversation. I'm Spider. And I'm Shell. And it's time to get Unbound. Well, for what it's worth, happy Easter, everybody. (laughs) Today is the day, of course, that we celebrate Jesus getting up from his 36-hour dirt nap and uh, saving the world from sin in what is decidedly not three days' time. Mm. We're talking about a religion here that's so convoluted and so ignorant of its own doctrine. It doesn't even know what three days is. Friday night to Sunday morning is not, in fact, three days, folks. And I keep seeing these memes that say Jesus sacrificed his weekend for your sins. Oh, not even. (laughs) He just sacrificed the best part of his weekend for our sins. Friday night, Saturday night, just gone. But he's up in time for brunch at the Thirsty Galilean, and that really is... (laughs) The best part of all of this. Yes. Now he gets to sit around and tell his tale of crucifixion to the masses and and enjoy some eggs benedict and mimosas and probably anything but a Bloody Mary. Ew. (laughs) Wow. Well, you know, you got to have humor with these things. Otherwise, you know, (laughs) what else is there? Yeah. So kind of sucks that we have to do this on Easter. But... A few months ago, I sat here behind this mic trying to figure out how I was going to maintain a work-life balance and keep doing this because this is something that is, it's very important to me. It is something that I've put a lot of myself into since the end of 2019 when we first launched this thing of ours. But here's the reality of the situation, folks. The spider got some really bad news this week. And there are things that I need to do for me to keep everybody in the loop. I'm just going to come right out and say it. There's a 90% chance that the spider has cancer. And it's a very scary time for me. I'm having a hard time even thinking straight. I was sitting down to get the episode together and flat out couldn't remember which application to open so that we could start recording today. Mm. It took me a minute to figure out what I needed to do. And this has been an all-consuming thing for me since I found this out this past Wednesday. And when you're given news like that, every minute feels like an hour, every hour feels like a day, and every day feels like a week because you just know that something bad is happening inside you that you can't do anything about on your own. And every minute that passes, you're just consumed with 
a lot of what ifs. Now, there is a very, very, very good chance that I'm going to walk away from this unscathed due to the nature of it, due to the fact that we found it probably before it started metastasizing. But I've had numerous issues with my kidneys. You guys know about that. Last October, I was down for the count for a little while. And it's fortunate happenstance that this is happening now when I'm already plugged into a network of doctors and I've been taking much better care of my health lately. And the long and the short of it is that they probably found this early enough to do something about it. And that is, uh, that's very, very good news for me. But I am not the type to just, you know, throw my hands up and say, I guess this is my fate. I guess this is just what's going to happen. I intend to fight this and I intend to emerge victorious because that's what I do. I fight back against a lot of bad things mm. in my life, in the world, and now I guess in my body. I'm just going to have to fight. And that is what I intend to do. So the long and the short of things, folks, this is going to be the last time you hear from us for a little while. And I know I've laid out our plans for the next few weeks, months, even all the way into October. I've had things going through my mind as to what I want to do with this thing. But right now, what I need to do with this thing is set it aside and get well. Mm -hmm. And that is where we're at right now. You know, it pains me to have to make a decision like this. It pains me to have to be faced with the reality that I am not superhuman. <laughs> I am not immortal. I am not any of the things that I would need to be to be able to maintain my balance with this and work and everything else right now. So this is, I'm hoping, not going to be a permanent goodbye. But I don't know when we will be back. You know, we just had this conversation a few months ago, and it's such an on-again, off-again thing. But, you know, the funny thing is we didn't really lose a whole lot of listeners. There are people out there yeah. that really appreciate what we're doing. And I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. I want to thank you for toughing it out with us. And I want to thank you in advance for all the good thoughts and all the support, even though I may never hear from a lot of you. I know that you got my back and I'm going to do my best to fight my way through this and get back behind this mic eventually. I just don't know when that's going to be. So stay subscribed. That's all I'm going to say. I can't say with certainty when we're going to be back, but stay subscribed and look for updates because we might just surprise the shit out of you one of these weeks and just come back <laughs> and get back to doing this thing, get back to fighting this fight because it's a fight that I think is worth fighting, but I can't fight it if I'm dead. Yeah. And I can't fight it if I'm too overwhelmed with my own circumstances to be able to do a good job with it. So for right now, we're bringing you what is, for a while, the last Christians Behaving Badly. And, oh, I never, we, we never did the, the introduce the co-host thing. So let's, let's do this right and true Unbound style. I'm Spider. And I'm Shell. And this week we have four more awesome stories oh. from, the, uh, from the Chronicles of Christians Behaving Badly. So help me. 
God, 12 steps away from parole, replacing guidance counselors with something even less useful. Sorry, guidance counselors. I mean you no disrespect. And more pedophile priests in this final, for a while, edition of Christians Behaving Badly that I'm dubbing, Dude, Where's My Freedom edition. Michelle, what have you got for us this week? Well, we're starting out today with We Are Not Surprised news. And there's a lot of this in this particular episode. A new study has found that defendants who do not swear an oath to God are found guilty more often than defendants who do. That's just fucking crazy. Yeah. This finding was published by the British Journal of Psychology. It sounds to me like it's time to do away with the ancient religious truth incantation altogether. Well, absolutely, if it's going to level the playing field. If a jury of my peers is going to sit there and judge me based on whether or not I swear an oath to some imaginary thing, then yeah, it's definitely time to get rid of it. I mean, it's time to get rid of it anyway. Yeah. But... I do think that it would level the playing field. If no one had to do it, then no one would be judged for not doing it. You see how that works? Mm. This quote is from the British Journal of Psychology. Okay. In Britain, as in the United States, witnesses in a trial are told to place a hand on the Bible and say something akin to, I swear by Almighty God that I will tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. People who aren't Christian, however, can always offer a secular affirmation. It's the same idea minus the reference to God. The same rule also applies to members of a jury. The researchers found that apparently certain people equate taking a religious oath with credible testimony. Once again, we are not surprised. No, not at all. The study also found that people with no religious affiliation were equally likely to find a defendant guilty whether or not they took a religious oath. And of course, if they were religiously affiliated, they would more often find the defendant guilty if they took the secular oath. The idea that juries could be biased against defendants who did not take a religious oath should indicate that this religious oath should be done away with, and only secular oaths should be taken in front of a jury. If it means that much to the defendant to take the religious oath, they can take it in chambers in front of a judge. Yeah, absolutely. That's the most reasonable solution to that. Yeah, seriously. The study concludes... Non-religious defendants who choose to affirm rather than tell a lie and swear an oath in bad faith may be taking a risk. Ultimately, continued use of the oath may make justice more difficult to obtain for those who are unwilling to swear by a God they do not believe in. And the funny thing is, this isn't here. This isn't even here. No. This is in Great Britain. But, you know, that's also a majority Christian nation. Yeah. The interesting part here is that now we've got a story that kind of sort of falls in the same line. Yeah. Because in story number one, your freedom can be determined by whether or not you're willing to profess faith in a god. And now it appears that if you want to get out of jail early, you also have to profess a god yeah. to be able to uh, to make this happen. Separation of church and state really is going the way of the dodo here. And this next story is proof. Let's, yeah. uh, let's get right into it. 
American Atheists has filed a federal lawsuit claiming that the West Virginia Division of Corrections and Rehabilitation forced their client to participate in religious activities in order to be eligible for parole. The inmate in question requested secular accommodations, but the West Virginia Division of Corrections and Rehabilitation wouldn't make them. The inmate, Andrew T. Miller, entered prison in 2001 on a breaking and entering charge with a possible parole date in 2025. Good behavior will determine how soon he regains his freedom. Hemet Mehta describes Miller's problem like this. According to the lawsuit, the prison system operates a program called Residential Substance Abuse Treatment, and inmates who are placed in that program are required to complete it if they want to be granted parole. Not going through the 6-12 to 12 month program results in a penalty that deems you more of a security threat. That's a problem because the RSAT handbook is chock full of Christianity. It includes the Lord's Prayer, the Serenity Prayer, and the infamous 12 Steps, all of which reference a higher power at a minimum. Another part of the handbook tells participants, For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Yeah, we did a whole episode on 12-step programs. And, you know, that little bit of subtle language there provides leeway for you to not acknowledge the Judeo-Christian God. Mm. But you still have to acknowledge a God. And in this case, a loving God. Yeah. So, you know, number one, I don't think that Yahweh even begins to uh, fit that mold. But... I think we all know what loving God they expect you to profess mm-hmm. to get out of jail early. Yeah. You know, it's it's really disgusting. The whole disintegration of separation of church and state, as evidenced by this, really, really is disgusting. And we should be angry about it. We should be furious reading things like this. So there's a little bit more here. Let's uh, Let's discuss that. When Miller discovered how religious the RSAT program was... He asked to take a secular program instead and actually named one, Cognitive Behavioral Intervention for Substance Abuse and Thinking for a Change Classes, courses also provided through the RSAT program without also being subjected to the religious elements found in the other parts of the RSAT program. And, of course, the powers that be denied his request and all of his further complaints and requests to take the other program. Because, of course, they did. Mm-hmm. This has had direct consequences on multiple requests for parole because he didn't go through the RSAT program. Oh, there's no bias there. None at all. Here's a quote from the lawsuit. West Virginia, like too many states, is forcing Christianity on the people incarcerated in their facilities as a condition of release, said Jeffrey T. Blackwell, litigation counsel for American Atheists. Attacks like this on the rights of atheists, humanists, and any non-Christian person who interacts with the West Virginia Division of Corrections are ongoing and widespread. For many corrections officials, spreading religious propaganda is more important than respecting people's rights or the Constitution. No shit. No one should be compelled to sacrifice their moral or religious creed to obtain release from incarceration in West Virginia. 
Mountain State Justice is proud to work with American atheists to stand up for Mr. Miller's right to follow his conscience and secular humanist beliefs, said Leslie Nash, Mountain State Justice attorney. This isn't a difficult request. Miller has tried many times to request a substitute program that wouldn't push Christianity on him. He's not refusing to go through a program. An inmate shouldn't have to pretend to be Christian in order to get fair treatment or access to parole. Ironically, he'd have had an easier time if he had just lied about it. But why should he or anyone else have to? That's the real question, isn't it? And, yeah. you know, I, I keep thinking about things like the way that they framed the tribulation in the Mark IV movies. Ugh. And how the people who are on the side of, quote-unquote, the Antichrist use these subversive tactics to grant people clemency and to help them avoid the guillotine. Well, this is kind of the same thing on a slightly less horrific level. You know what I mean? Just slightly. But it's the same sentiment. Isn't this the type of thing that they warned us the other side would be doing to us. Mm. And yet here they are asserting all of the same things, denying people their freedom and also allowing the system to be rigged against someone who is not a believer. Yeah. And and I can't even begin to tell you how many levels of wrong I see with this. But the wrong runs deep. Very, very, very deep. And it just keeps going. I mean, this next story is even worse. And you know what? I'm gonna go on record. I never found anything that my guidance counselors in junior high or high school did to be terribly helpful. No. Okay. It just seemed like it was a means to an end. You know, you talked to them about, you know, possible college plans and what you intend to do with your further student career, what you're going to do for work or career when you get out of school, all of that stuff. But they never really provided a whole lot of great counsel. No. That being said, I would take the mediocre, quote-unquote, counsel I got from my guidance counselors over what's being proposed here. And uh, surprise, surprise, we're going back to Texas for this one. Yeah, yeah. I have a feeling Florida and Texas are going to be, like, major players in Christians behaving badly when we come back. Yeah. I mean, they already are. They already are. But, But, yeah, these are kind of two sort of epicenters for all kinds of fuckery. And uh, yeah. Uh, and yeah, so let's not keep these people in suspense. What are we talking about here? Lawmakers in Texas currently want to replace trained school counselors with untrained chaplains. <sighs> because, of course. This is unreal. Yeah. Unfucking real mm. Here is a quote from the state law currently before the Texas State Congress. A school district may employ a chaplain instead of a school counselor to perform the duties required of a school counselor under this title. A chaplain employed under the subsection is not required to be certified by the State Board for Educator Certification. Yeah, that doesn't sound like it will go horribly, horribly wrong at all. Oh, no. You know, just put anybody in that position. You know, anybody who wants it. I mean, does the applicant even need to have minister's credentials if he's going to be a school chaplain? I'm assuming he has to be a chaplain. Okay. Which I'm not sure what the difference is between a chaplain and a pastor. It depends on where yeah. you where you get your little magic piece of paper. That's yeah, true. really what it yeah. boils down to. The trouble is that despite Texas having a thirty-two point seven million dollar budget surplus. 
None of these lawmakers are even thinking of letting educational departments have enough money to hire nurses, social workers, counselors, and psychologists. And 98% of Texas schools do not have enough of any of those staff to meet the Texas Education Agency's recommendation of one counselor per 250 students. And that's really low. It is, but not surprising. No. You see, they want to they want to spend that money on indoctrination because indoctrination leads to a little thing we like to call control. Mm. And hiring secular counselors and psychologists leads to things that they don't like, things like free thought, things like a healthy self-image, you know, mm-hmm. all of these things that evangelicalism in particular really abhors because it interferes with what they are trying to accomplish. Yeah. So that's why they're willing to hire chaplains and they're not willing to hire psychologists because a chaplain will teach young people not to think for themselves and to put it all on the shoulders of their God, whereas a psychologist will do the exact opposite. And we can't have any of that now, can we? Mm. In essence, a school would be able to bring in local pastors who have no formal certification to work with children while dismissing the experts who are actually trained to help kids. Yeah, that's a quote from where? That's a quote from Hemet Mehta's article on Only Sky. Gotcha, gotcha. And for me as a parent, I would be at the next school board meeting saying, no, 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 fuck this. If this person doesn't have any kind of professional certification, are they going to run any kind of a background check on the uh, chaplains that they're hiring for these positions? Because, I mean, if he's a Christian, he's trustworthy, right? So, yeah, no mental health professionals. They want those positions staffed by chaplains who would undoubtedly be Christian and who won't need any paperwork to attest to their abilities to do the job. This is part of a push by the National School Chaplain Association, an explicitly Christian ministry. No. Yeah, shocking. In a press release celebrating the Texas bills, the NSCA ironically noted the need for more chaplains as a result of school violence. The launch of our new campaign coincides with a report by the U.S. Department of Education on the prevalence of school violence, which includes shootings, fighting, bullying, and physical assault. According to the report, the majority of students have experienced at least one incidence of violence while they were in school. In addition, most victims say it has negatively impacted their mental health and made them consider dropping out or moving to another school. The NSCA's chaplains help these students by giving them a solid spiritual foundation and a safe space to express their pain and frustrations. The association believes spiritual care has long been absent from the school system. As a result, students are often left alone to navigate complex emotions without support from trusted adults or authority figures. So why does it have to be a chaplain? Why can't you just spend the money on counselors and psychologists? If this is a real concern that you have, let's just understand something. Number one, I think that it is absolutely, utterly nefarious that they're suggesting that we have school shootings because we don't have enough religious people in schools. Yeah, right. Every school that I ever attended was crawling with religious people. 
You know, I showed up at a retreat, at a youth retreat once, and saw one of my assistant principals and learned that he was actually a deacon. Okay. (laughs) And I had other teachers who were ordained ministers. There are plenty of religious people in public schools, plenty. And the notion that you need some kind of a figurehead to act as a deterrent to violent crime in schools is ridiculous. Let's not forget that it was a Christian school that got shot up a couple of weeks ago, okay? Yeah. Loaded with religious people, loaded Mm. with people who fulfill the roles that they're talking about right here. And it really didn't do any good. It didn't protect those students. Now, I understand they're talking about maintaining an atmosphere where the student body doesn't resort to these things, where students in the school don't turn around and do these things. But there's no religion out there that can stop a bullet, people. And when you withhold mental health services, that's when things like this start heating up. That's when it becomes more likely. You are making it more likely for your school to get shot up by not providing competent, secular mental health services. You think that you're going to deter someone from shooting the school up by installing a chaplain? Oh, no, 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 no. You've got it completely backwards, okay? You're not going to solve the problem of school shootings and violence in schools by incorporating more religion into the day. That's not how it works on any plane of reality. That is not how it works. Yeah. Of course, there's no way this could possibly go wrong. It totally doesn't open school systems to more lawsuits. And Jesus is no substitute for actual mental health professionals. Yeah, word. If you want less violence in schools, number one, don't hire violent people. (laughs) That's a good idea. Stop paddling kids. Mm -hmm. How about that? Yeah, yeah. And number two, prevent violent people from owning guns. Mental health, along with school shootings, will not be helped by thoughts or prayers. But sure, let's get more of what doesn't work into the school system. That will certainly not go badly. No, absolutely. I mean, what could possibly go wrong here? This whole thing is so fraught with nonsense that, I mean, I'm going to sound like a broken record going over my thoughts with this. It's just so fundamentally broken. But... This is the world that they want to create. Yeah. And I don't think that they really honestly and truly understand just how much worse they're making things by not just taking on a live and let live philosophy when it comes to their religion. Yeah. You know, it's not up to you to steer my life in any direction. You know, my life's going to go in whatever direction I choose to steer it. And that's whether or not I'm ever approached with a tract. You know what I mean? That's just the way it is. And now we're going to aim the crosshairs back at the Catholic Church. No, they're not evangelical. They're just a bunch of evil assholes Mm. that have been exacting evil on the world since since the Dark Ages. You know, it's it's just par for their course. And nothing in this particular story is going to surprise anyone. But let's end things off with just a little bit more exposure for their fuckery. Okay, let's let's do this. And finally, more no one is surprised news. The Maryland Attorney General has finished their report on sexual abuse in the Archdiocese of Baltimore. That's just Baltimore. Yes, let's make sure that we let that sink in. One city. Yes. 
The AG of Maryland, Anthony Brown, has released his office's 463-page report just last week. The findings are horrifying, because of course... The report, which was the result of a grand jury investigation, finds that over 600 children, but the number is likely far higher, were abused by 156 predators working with the Catholic Church since the 1940s. Most of the predators are now dead, but some of them who are redacted in the report are still alive and were not previously suspected of any wrongdoing. The names of church officials who helped cover up their alleged crimes are also redacted in this public report. Here's a quote from the summary. Time and again, members of the church's hierarchy resolutely refused to acknowledge allegations of child sexual abuse for as long as possible. When denial becomes impossible, church leadership would remove abusers from the parish or school, sometimes with promises that they would have no further contact with children. Church documents reveal with disturbing clarity that the archdiocese was more concerned with avoiding scandal and negative publicity than it was with protecting children. Since the church authorities did not react to allegations in a timely manner, it allowed the abuse to continue, and the report also found that certain government officials share the blame for the cover-up along with the archdiocese. Unfortunately, despite the damning allegations, there will be no legal repercussions resulting from this report. Of course not. Because Maryland recognizes a statute of limitations defense in civil cases, a defense that the archdiocese consistently chooses to rely upon, victims have no recourse if they are over the age of 38. Yet many victims have suffered lifelong effects from the harm perpetrated upon them by the church. Yeah. Is someone going to put a statute of limitations on how long these things affect someone? I mean, the very notion that these people can be shielded by the passing of time is infuriating. There's no statute of limitations on murder. What happens when you murder someone from the inside out by putting them through this? What's the difference? If it was outside the realm of the Catholic Church, I don't know what Maryland's laws look like when it relates to something else. But in most places, there's no statute of limitations on rape either. Yeah. So does that mean that there is a statewide statute that protects every rapist out there? Or is this just something that's enjoyed by the Catholic Church in Maryland? I hate to say it, but there's a bit more. The report also suggests that the statute of limitations for these cases be eliminated, allowing greater opportunity for the victims to bring civil suits and holding the archdiocese liable for the harms they have experienced. Maryland has recently passed a bill to allow for the elimination of that statute. If and when this happens, we can expect the archdiocese will declare bankruptcy, as have many Catholic archdioceses around the country. I'm not sure how that's going to shield anyone from prosecution, but the other thing that bothers me about this part of it is that you could probably get a decent lawyer, and you know what, the Catholic Church and all their money can afford decent lawyers. Mm -hmm. You can probably get a decent lawyer to advocate for these people saying that when they committed their crimes, the statute was in place, so it shouldn't apply to them. Yeah. I can see that being a problem here. I'm sick of law enforcement not having any jurisdiction over church people. Yeah, 
It sucks. Yes. And I'm sick of this whole notion that you can hear something in the confessional and you are not at that point a mandatory reporter. You know, you can be told about things like rape and murder and you don't have to divulge. You know, we talked about this, I think it was just last week. Mm -hmm. And those are things that the Catholic Church needs to uh, lose their shielding over also. I think this is a good idea. It's going to, we're going to give them an E for effort, but I don't think they're going to be able to make it stick with any current case. It will only apply to cases that are new, that arise down the road. Yeah. I'd like to be wrong (laughs) here, but it just looks to me like they're, is enough of a legal gray area with changing the law and then trying to retroactively apply it to crimes that were committed while it was in place. It just, and I'm not hopeful at all about this. I know. Hemet Mehta concludes, given that it's already guilty of moral bankruptcy as documented by the hundreds of pages of abuser narratives in the report, the economic kind couldn't come fast enough. This report is a predictable yet troubling account of what we've seen in state after state ever since attorneys general began taking these matters seriously. After a Pennsylvania grand jury report came out in 2018, the floodgates opened. If there's any silver lining here, it's that the Baltimore Archdiocese appears finally to be taking these matters more seriously. It's too little too late, no doubt, but it's more than what they've done in the past, which is why the list of dead abusers is lengthy, while currently accused priests is relatively shorter. Most of the allegations in this report occurred decades ago. And he concludes with the line, tradition is no excuse to prop up a criminal institution. No shit. Between Mm. the Catholic Church and the Mafia, I don't know which one's more corrupt. Yeah. So what have we learned from all of this? To me, the answer is pretty simple. We are collectively losing sight of what separation of church and state actually is. I cannot believe that I live in a world where my guilt or innocence is likely to be determined by how willing I am to lay aside my own personal convictions and just play along with the so help me God game. I can't believe that I live in an America where my freedom could hinge on me participating in a 12-step program and at least outwardly confessing beliefs that I don't hold. I can't believe that I live in an America where secular counseling gets replaced with theistic nonsense, and I can't believe that there are people out there still willing to believe in a God who sits back and allows its own frontline soldiers to abuse children and leave them with lifelong trauma when it's supposed to have the power to stop it. Noah's world was wicked enough for this God to wipe out everyone and start from scratch, and yet the atrocities of the Catholic Church go on unabated to the point where all their darkness and ugliness have infected all corners of Christianity, like the cancer that it is. The problem is that we do live in a world like that. And I hate to start off this very open-ended sabbatical with such a bleak outlook on things, but this is the world we live in. Let's not forget that we have the power to change things. Let's not forget that there are more of us than there are of them. Let's not lose sight of the fact that things don't have to be this way forever. 
And let's get comfortable with the notion of not seeing the world change too drastically in this arena during our lifetimes. Resistance is necessary. It is constantly necessary. Being vocal and being constantly vocal is necessary. Saying none of this is okay and saying it loud is necessary. Dealing with the backlash of our theist friends and family is necessary. If we are willing to bear this burden, society will reap the rewards. Whether we see it or not, whether we're still around to see what our efforts today are going to reap for the future, they're still going to reap those rewards. And we have to be okay with just being part of it and maybe never seeing the world that we want come to fruition in our lifetime. If we're diligent, if we become as serious about our messaging as they are about theirs, change will happen. And I know that this sounds like another goodbye, and I sincerely hope that it does not come to that. But I'm not sure what the future is going to look like for me. I do know that I have to concentrate on the things that matter, and that is getting my health in order, keeping my business running, and just doing what I need to do for my family, to be there for my family, to be there down the road through the next few years, decades, whatever it's going to end up being. I'm a fighter, folks, and I am not taking this lying down. And along those lines, I just want to leave you with the words of Robert Frost. These words encapsulate well how I see my own situation right now, and they also encapsulate well how I see this uphill battle that we are fighting here against this vile, loveless, bigoted, hate-fueled thing called Christianity. And I'm pretty sure that most of you already know what's coming. Do not go gentle into that good night. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. That's true of this brand new journey that I'm going to be embarking on. It's true of this journey that I've been on with this show since 2019. It's true of what's been going on in my head and the frustrations over all of the things that we talk about, over all of the ills that this thing enacts on society. I've been raging against it in my head for a long time, and I will continue raging against it as long as there is air in my lungs to use my voice against it. That's what I'm going to do. Be patient. That's all I can say. I do hope that we get to continue this, but right now I need to take a step back. Be encouraged. My voice will not be silenced by circumstance, by illness, or by life in general. And that should be everybody's commitment when it comes to this thing that is infesting our society. Stay angry. Stay angry. Let your righteous rage keep you vocal, keep you aware, and keep you mobilized. It's our job to stand up to this system. If we don't, who will? It's our job to remain on the side of right, even if the rest of the world doesn't see it that way. We know the truth, and the truth has set us free. And we need to keep delivering that message of freedom because the religion that these people are trapped in isn't giving it to them, but they think that it is. The religion that they are trapped in is not teaching them love, but they think it is. And this religion is not giving them a healthy outlook on their future, but they think it is. And as long as those thoughts are out there, our thoughts need to be there too, and they need to be loud, and they need to be confident, 
and they need to be consistent. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. It's our job and we need to do whatever we can to help as many people as we can get and stay unbound. enjoyed this episode of Unbound. Show topics are chosen based on their timeliness, relevance, and social impact. Have suggestions for future topics? Email us at unbound.podcast.network at gmail.com with all your comments and feedback. Please don't forget to like, share, and throw a few five-star ratings our way and follow us on all major social platforms. And don't forget to hit subscribe if you haven't already. Links to our social pages as well as a full list of cited sources in today's episode are listed in the show notes available at our website, getunbound.org. That's get-unbound.org. If you value this resource and would like to see it continue, please consider supporting us on Patreon at the link in the show description. And be sure to check for new updates every Sunday when we'll come together again and take one more step toward getting and staying unbound.